Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wealth Conversation podcast with me, Tsitsi Mutiti. I guide high-achieving women on their journey to build lasting wealth so they can prepare for an abundant future in every area of their life. I hope that today's episode will help you to transform your relationship with money so you can make the choices that will enable you to create the opportunities and lasting wealth that you desire. Let's get straight into this week's episode. This episode is dedicated to Black History Month, which is celebrated in October here in the United Kingdom. As my contribution to this very special period in the UK calendar, I wanted to celebrate the people I believe are making history right now in the Black community. So in this episode, I will be speaking with Dumi Sender. Like me, Coach Dumi left Zimbabwe for the United Kingdom in search of opportunity and personal development. Today, he is known as the Rags to Impact Coach. He went from a life of menial labor with little prospects to Oxford graduate and globally renowned diversity and inclusion expert and coach. He draws on his personal experience with social mobility to help organizations achieve meaningful workplace diversity and inclusion. He also works with individuals to overcome limitations and maximize their personal and professional growth. He has worked with top global organizations such as the United Nations, Bank of England, Goldman Sachs and Google, among others. And he has been recognized by the office of the UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, for his impact on the diversity and inclusion agenda. Dumi says that true growth happens when we are willing to step into our discomfort zone. Welcome, Dumi, to the Wealth Conversation podcast. Could you share uh, a bit more about yourself and your background? Well, thank you. The first thing is, is, is great to be part of, um, you know, a, a community, you know, like such as we are part of, right? I met you at the, you know, Black British Business Awards uh, yes. ceremony in London, didn't we? And so here we are now, um, you know, invited on your podcast. So just shows the value of community. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from Zimbabwe originally. Um, you know, I have been in the UK probably longer than I care to, <laughs> to remember. Precisely because of the weather, uh, you know, and the climate. But uh, no, um, but still, you know, I've been in the UK for a while now, um, and my journey was not a, a, a very straightforward into the career that I'm doing now into diversity and inclusion. You know, it's it, I like to say it's a consequence of a lived experience of grappling with some of those issues that probably organisations and individuals are trying to figure out. So I come at it from a very lived experience, um, having come into the country, and I guess with uh, yeah, you know, coming into, into a foreign country, there are going to be the usual uh, issues and challenges one faces. But I probably didn't help myself too much with some of the choices I made earlier on. Uh, you know, I, I came at the time when, uh, you know, the Tony Blair was in government at the time and did this project, uh, this thing called Project 2000, which, which was about bringing people in into the NHS. Um, and so I came uh, to, to do, uh, it, it was a you know, nursing diploma at the time. And it was, I guess, almost like a way in into the country. But I, I just kind of quit without a, a, a clear plan of what else I was going to do. Uh, wound up, you know, in a, in a kind of feeling stuck, really, because I wound up in a kind of working in warehouses and factories. A lot of these, you know, uh, supermarkets and businesses I see, I've went in their warehouses and factories. And that, 
it was a time where I felt like, you know, I was so far away from the person I'd imagined that I would become when I left Zimbabwe and came into the UK, um, you know, doing mostly what I might class as menial labor, you know, and, and was in that life for quite a long time until one day I looked myself in the mirror and then almost, you know, started the turnaround journey, which I'm sure we can we'll go into as we continue with our conversation. Wow, that's that's amazing to me. There's so much in there. I mean, you know, I also moved from Zimbabwe to the UK and I understand when you say, you know, there were so many hurdles and things that you just had to do to find yourself. Uh, I came as a secretary, wasn't sure which way to go, trying to navigate this country. And also, I think at that time, you're trying to find yourself as well so many things to deal with a, a different environment and yeah I also made quite a few mistakes <laughs> I can talk about them now but at that time it felt like that was the end of my life so I want to know what motivated you to keep developing yourself you know when you got it you left the NHS and then you went into the warehousing and it's just like probably not where you dreamed you would be at that point in your life but what kept you pushing forward uh, you know, thank thank you so much. I, I I think, to be honest with you, when now when I look back at even th that time when I was warehousing, I, I love that phrase. I used to call it the dark period of my life, you know, and wanted to wipe it out of my mind and my history. But actually, I now now I gravitate towards that as being a, a, a period that actually shaped my 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 understanding of what is valuable in life. Uh, probably, I think shaped my values as well. Uh, give me values such as being, you know, persevering. And I think, you know, really a sense of humility, a willingness to build from the ground up, if you like, you know, understanding that, you know, you work for things and you, you know, and things don't just happen overnight and through serving and finding ways to give value, that's where growth comes from. And, and, and in some sense, I think because there was always something inside, I think that partly comes from our community, right, you know, um, anyone who comes from Zimbabwe, and I'll probably argue Africa, African communities, can, I'm sure can relate with this in the sense that, you know, you're, you're brought up to, to be very aspirational and to kind of aim for, for, for something valuable. And partly because also you, you understand that, you know, your, your family to some extent probably depend on that success too. Um, and your community also depend on that success. So I, I guess there was a seed inside, uh, a burning desire inside that kind of kept me checking myself where I am, you know, and that led to me now, one day, really looking at myself and say, well, where I am right now is not, is not where I want to wind up. And, and I think for me, the turning point was one, becoming a father, um, you know, becoming a father for the first time and, you know, and realizing that, well, if I, if I am feeling living this life, which is not, that doesn't give me fulfillment and I'm not, you know, really getting the progress I wanted in my life, you know, it's going to be worse for my son, you know. And so I wanted to, I, I realized that now it's, it's more about just myself. But secondly, it was, you know, I remember at the time, you know, so I'm a poet, you know, I, I do several things. I, 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 you know, I write poet, write and perform poetry. I write children's stories. And at the time, what I was doing to keep myself sane was going around and performing my poetry on child activism, particularly. And I remember calling an organization, I won't name the organization, study by name, but I remember calling them the, the conference and saying to them, well, oh, can I come to your conference and contribute, please? You know, um, I, I, you know, the subject you're focusing on relates to what I write about in my poetry. Um, and I said, you know, okay, maybe I could contribute something in a creative manner. Uh, and I remember them asking, well, do you mean what's your, what are your qualifications? Uh, this is a, uh, you know, a, a conference for, uh, you know, academics and professionals, you know, and 
and I didn't have anything to show you know, that could qualify me to be at that event. So instead of begrudging that, you know, I looked myself in the mirror and said, well, you know, I have to take responsibility to, to, to turn my life around, to put myself in a place where I can also be around the table and contribute meaningfully. You know, and, and so for me, that was a turning point. And then I took that UCAS application, you know, made what was a very difficult decision at the time, applying to go back to uni at the age of approximately, I think, around 30 years old, you know, studying with people 10 years my junior, you know, and, and, and really not having been in the education system in the UK in a meaningful way because I wasn't quite invested in the kind of uh, diploma that I was doing. Yeah, I, I, it, I resonate with so much of that. You know, I moved to the UK quite late, I would say, you know, and when I decided to qualify or, or do the exams to become an investment manager, I was learning with people who were much younger than me. And it, it's really daunting. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so daunting. I love that story about the, the, the poetry. I didn't realize that you, you were a poet as well, but it is those, it's sometimes, you know, that thing about when one door closes, another opens, but we don't realize it when we're going through that transition. You know, I, I like that phrase, the, the dark period. It is really that those times that really shape us, even when we're looking at money, you know, a lot of people learn how to manage the money from the mistakes they've made realizing that I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to be in debt anymore. It's those periods that then shape the, the, the future, most, mostly positively. So you've, you've, you've gone to university and you've decided to, your career has taken you down the road of diversity and inclusion. Why is that important to you? And why did you decide to focus on that area specifically? Well, thank you. Um, firstly, when I even realized that there's this thing called diversity and inclusion uh, and kind of got into it, I actually realized that, you know, we, we were always, in, you know, working with that thinking of, you know, trying to, uh, to create more diverse and inclusive society right from back home when I was in Zimbabwe. If you look at our, at our culture in terms of, you know, uh, you, you know about the, you know, the uh, notion of Ubuntu or Hunu, this, uh, this notion that I am because we are. You know, that's, so that's how we were raised. And we were raised, you know, helping one another in, in, in the community and things like that. So these were not values that were alien to me. Um, and also in my activism with my poetry, you know, and, and, and storytelling, I was going around school across the UK, delivering, um, you know, story, stories to children in schools, because I realized that the curriculum didn't reflect at the point, you know, looking at my son and, say, and looking at the curriculum and the books that they were reading, it was not reflected in that curriculum. And I said, well, you know, um, what can I do uh, to, to contribute that change as opposed to, to standing aside and complaining? So, you know, I used my gift and used the gift of um, uh, telling stories and went around with my drum, which is here in the, in the background, you know, telling stories to children. So by the time I, I, I you know, after I finished my, my, you know, my studies, my degree, um, you know, and, and my master's at Oxford and, you know, and, and, and came into, into the DNI space, I, I, it was an extension of what I'd already been doing Except, you know, I hadn't realized that actually I'd already been doing what, what relates to diversity and inclusion. And so coming in, I think what, I, what I'm, you know, in a sense brought was a different approach. Because, of course, I'm not from a corporate, from a corporate background, you know, from a typical corporate background. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, um, it's not unusual for me to start even, a, you know, a, a corporate presentation with a poem, you know, or asking people to stand and asking them to, 
to do a, a song, Zimbole, 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 you know, and, and people would look at me like, oh, what is this? They were sort of uncomfortable, but then they, they would get into it because this is about us being human beings, you know, um, and ab about us learning about different cultures, you know, stepping out of our, stepping into our discomfort zone sometimes, you know, uh, to grow and learn about how to create workplaces where we can all truly be um, authentic and be our best selves. So I, I think that's something that I, I kind of brought into, into my work in diversity and inclusion, you know, that's being different, you know, and, and, and when you see me walking around, my, if, even, you know, wearing jackets with African colors and things like that, that's my, my uh, you know, view of being professional. I can be myself, I can be fully African and Zimbabwean and still be professional. So that's what I, I think I, I brought in, drawing on my experience of having, you know, worked in grassroots you know, and doing all that work through uh, creativity and poetry. I love that that phrase of your stepping into your discomfort zone. Sometimes we, we have to do that to bring about change and for people to learn about us as individuals and new things. It's about sometimes us stepping into our discomfort zone. And you brushed over it very quickly, but you went to Oxford. You studied at Oxford. Uh, can you just share a bit about that? And did that was that you also stepping into your discomfort zone? Yes, that was a massive discomfort zone <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's, I guess when, when institutions such as Oxford and Cambridge and others, uh, but also the corporate sector where, where of course, you are a heavy hitter, you know, and you're working in that space, right? These are, these are, these are spaces that, are, because of underrepresentation, we may not see ourselves reflected. And so, therefore, even getting in is, you know, is quite a, you know, a swim, um, you know, against the current, you know? And so there are battles that you have to battle first of self-belief to say, actually, I can believe and, and apply to, to go to that institution. Um, and then, you know, then also in addition to that, the know-how to, you know, how do I go about it? When you don't have family members that have been there, you don't have uncles and aunties that can guide you on that, now it becomes a challenge. And so reaching out then, you know, being intentional about reaching out to other people, those few people went there, you know, and there were many friends who were very helpful you know, does then become uh, valuable. And so even now I'm part of um, what's called the Black, uh, the Oxford Black Alumni Network or Oxban, you know, and, and we are very intentional about helping to open those doors uh, through helping others to, to see that they too can aspire to be in these institutions, particularly young people at primary school and, and high school, who some of them, you know, they, you hear them say, you know, I was told by my teacher that, you know, um, you're dreaming too, too big, you know, um, you know, you should just be practical and, and kind of dream, dream in, in these ways or that ways. So we are, you know, we have to use our own experiences to challenge uh, that status quo and to challenge that kind of thinking that says, you know, uh, certain institutions and places are for this group of people and other groups can only aspire for, uh, you know, for something else that, that, you know, they can't aspire for those platforms. So, yeah, so in some, in some sense, we are stepping into the discomfort zone. But I don't think the value is so much about me having gone to Oxford. The value is about what do I do having gone to Oxford that can help others to also believe that they can go, go, go there. In the same way that you are using this platform, your podcast, to open up understanding for, for people who usually don't talk about money, you know? And, and I look forward to us go, going into that discussion about money, because this is something that I've had to grapple with and really deal with, particularly as a, as a consultant and working for myself and building a little business for myself. Uh, dealing with some of those kind of, you know, uh, disqualifiers in our heads that say that that stop you even mentioning a number when people ask you about what you charge for your services you know so yeah you know so I think it's part of that really. 
I completely agree. And this whole stepping into your discomfort zone also comes into the money thing. And I've battled with it as well, you know, as, as even as a financial coach, you know, what do I charge? There are numbers that you don't feel comfortable with, but you have to keep stretching and stretching yourself. And for me, one thing I always think about is, okay, if I am earning X amount, you know, that dream number, who else besides me is going to benefit? And the first people, it's always your family. And you're thinking about the next generation. And I'm very big on generational wealth creation. So, you know, I'm thinking beyond my daughter, you know, I'm thinking about her children and her children's children. And it kind of then puts that in, into perspective. Now, I know you, you've, you've worked with and consulted with some, some of the largest organizations on the planet, but you also focus on individuals. What is so important about the individual and, and what was the motivation for you to focus on individuals? I'm thinking about your, you know, you working with people on a one-to-one basis. I think recognizing, I guess from my own journey, that in the end, you know, it, it, it comes back to that young person, you know, um, in, in their home in East London, um, who, who um, maybe does not have an, an example in their, in their home you know, of what it looks like to, to get into Goldman Sachs, to get into Google, to get into Barclays, right? You know, and, and, and us using our, our, our platforms and our voices and our experiences to show them that, you know, yes, it is possible. But I think it's not just showing them what the, the, you know, the pathway into the organization. It's showing the pathway into themselves, uh, the pathway of self-discovery. For me, that's where I, I find that's where the power really lies. Uh, I, because when you unlock that, um, even when community, or rather society, you know, has these narratives that sometimes uh, cause us to question ourselves, when we have something, you know, uh, kind of deep-rooted in ourselves that says, I am valuable. Uh, and I'm prepared to put in the work and I'm prepared to stand by my values, then you are likely to, 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 to go far. And I think that's a much more um, substantial tool to, to give people. So I, you know, I tend to use that through coaching and, and, you know, and coaching is a really powerful tool because it's not about telling you the answers, it's about asking you powerful questions that help you to get to your answer, the answer that is right for you. And so in the past few months, particularly in the wake of COVID, I've been working with organizations such, such as Migrant Family Support, and others, you know, and, and working with families, coaching their, their, their children, and, and sometimes coaching the parents as well in how to support their, their children. And I find that work is really, is really, it may not be about, you know, it may not be have uh, fancy logos of organizations on its back, but, but I think it does, you know, it, it does drive necessary traction to help move our communities forward. I absolutely love that. And um, again, it's another thing that just sits well with me. And you mentioned it when you were telling us about the your Oxford story that it wasn't really about yes it's the process of getting in and being there and maneuvering in that space but also what are you going to do when you leave what impact are you going to have on the world and that's I think what we should be asking ourselves all the time if I get this job and I'm earning this amount what impact is this going to have or not just on me and my family, but the wider community, because that's how we really build wealth. If you look at the wealthy communities around us in any country, each individual looked into themselves, their values, what they want to do. And then they went out and were helping to support the people around them who then build the community. So I, you know, I applaud you for such great work and really 
helping, as you say, not just the children, but even the parents, because that support is also really, really needed. One of the biggest barriers that individuals face when it comes to aiming for success is stepping away from the tribe at times, you know, and it's something that I have had to do on occasion when I'm trying to level up. Um, is this something that you have experienced on your journey so far? And if so, what advice would you give to anyone who is struggling with this? Yeah, th thank you so much. I mean, it's so many entries up to that conversation. I remember being asked, I was, uh, you know, invited to speak uh, it, it Oxford. This was even before I studied there. I, I, was, I was actually invited to come and present uh, my poetry there. Um, it, it, it's an Africa, Oxford Africa conference. And I remember being asked, because you know, I was sharing the stage with other speakers, I think including a poet who is from, I think, Ireland. You know, and I remember being asked, you know, so do me defining yourself, do you, do you define yourself as an African poet? Or, you know, how do you define yourself and what's the value behind that? You know, and then I remember just throwing that question back to say to, the, to, to my Irish colleague on the panel. And I said, you know, I, I wonder if you ask that question to um, my colleague here, you know, would you ask them, do they define themselves as, a, as an Irish poet? Or are they a poet who are a poet from Ireland who happens to be Irish, but they are a poet? You know, so, so even when people are introducing, you know, I didn't hear, oh, you know, welcome this Irish poet, I'd welcome this poet. He's from Ireland and his name is, then welcome, you know, Dumisan who's a Zimbabwean poet or African poet, right? So that, that's a very interesting nuance when you look at it. You know, sometimes there's a, well, identity matters, but sometimes we can be tethered to it. And then it creates a silo in, in that, you know, in, in, in who we serve, it's expected that we can only serve people who look like us and are from our community. Whereas everyone else, you know, it's okay for them to come to our communities and serve and be poets and be, you know, uh, bankers and be, you know, uh, whatever they, they are contributing or value, right? So I, I think that's part of something that I was very intentional about, about challenging, you know, to say, I, 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 I don't define myself as a as a as African diversity and inclusion expert uh, uh, or African coach. I'm, I'm, I'm a diversity and inclusion expert and coach who's African and who's from Zimbabwe, but actually, you know, I've, I've served communities across the world, you know, and, you know, I, I can go and speak, you know, just as much, in, in Ireland as I can in the US, as I can in Canada, as I can in Zimbabwe, right? So, so, so I think that that's really key. And, and another part to your question, which um, you know, um, I think we might also be worth uh, highlighting. You, you, you know this, this saying, you know, they say, um, a, 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 what do they say? A prophet is not always, is seldom appreciated in their own village, right? Uh, this is something that I noticed also in, in, in my kind of um, developing, particularly in my poetry days, where, it was after I had been invited by a number of communities like in Ireland, Wales, and other places where actually now my community, you know, started saying, hey, oh, you're a poet and you do this, you know, can you come? Um, and so now they started seeing value in that. And, and I don't necessarily think it's, it's, it's something to necessarily begrudge uh, your community, but, but it's just having that awareness that sometimes just because people in your tribe are not necessarily seeing the value right away, um, it doesn't mean you should stop. So do reach out. Other communities might see your value quicker and then your community can might catch up. And, and there's nothing unusual about that because sometimes, you know, we can take familiarity for granted, you know, and it is when other people see that value that we can begin to also see uh, that value. But also perhaps that also says to ourselves, let's challenge ourselves to not take, to not take what we have for granted too, you know. Let's look in our communities. There are leaders there, are global leaders in our communities. And so let's not assume that our global leaders only exist in other people's communities only. In our communities too, 
we've got people like yourself who are leading on these amazing, you know, and, and important topics uh, on a global platform, uh, as well as your global your, your career in the in the banking field as well, which is itself a very global on a, a very global uh, um, you know platform that you 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 are a leader in. So we need to also recognize the value that we have in our communities. Wow, Dumi, there was so much in that. I think I'm going to be taking sound bites just out of your answer to that question, because yeah, it's. Um, we, we face it every day when, you know, people thinking about starting a business, leaving a job to uh, follow a passion that they want, you know, and you, you have family members or friends saying, why, why do you want to do that? Because they're not at that level or that's not the path that they are meant to follow. It's, it's your path. And it does stop us. It stops us and it stops us building wealth, not just in terms of money, but just our own personal mental well-being, the physical side, the spiritual and the social, because as you say, reach out to people. When, when you start following your path, your network naturally starts growing and you start meeting people. That's kind of the journey I was on. You know, when I met you, it was at a function that I'd been invited to because I had decided to start reaching out to other people who maybe could understand the path that I was going on. And, you know, I, I'm so glad I did it. It wasn't easy because, you know, I found that there were times when I couldn't even talk to family and friends about what I was thinking because they just didn't understand. But it's part of that journey, isn't it? It's part of that growth. You know, they talk about when you plant a seed and it's growing, it has to break through the ground and there's a bit of pain and discomfort and it's, it's all part of the journey. So, yeah, thank you for all those wise words. Oh, thank you. Actually, I wanted to... There's an example of the, you know, the analogy you gave there is, is fantastic. And, you know, the, the imagery you painted there, and it reminded me of uh, the, an analogy of the uh, Chinese bamboo, uh, which, are, are, you know, it said that it takes over five years, uh, you know, underground, growing underground, and you don't see it, but you have to keep watering, you know, and trusting and believing that something will emerge. But amazingly, when it breaks, you know, the, from the ground, it grows within six months, it becomes a massive giant, you know. So, yeah, so we, we just have to persevere through those moments of self-doubt as well as doubt from sometimes people who are close to us, you know, the tribe, you know, but also really understanding that, you know, down the line, they, they will see the value in that when that, um, you know, bamboo tree becomes a giant and now they, you know, come to us to, to say, hey, this is part of us. And that's okay too, you know, uh, but just don't stop growing because, you know, um, you will get some. I love that. I absolutely love that. I want to know what advice you would give your younger self uh, now that you have reached this stage in your life. I'll, I'll probably say stop being so naughty. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, um, you know, you know, particularly now as you know, as a coach, mentor, spending time a lot, a lot of time working with young people. I think I I hear myself often giving uh, you know advice and tips to young people that I would probably would have wanted to benefit from in my time. And also having a son, you know, who's just, uh, you know, getting into his teen, who is a teenager now, um, you know, I, I, I spent more time sharing my mistakes with him more than my successes, because I believe, you know, um, in doing that, you know, it, one, it shows that I'm human, uh, but two, hopefully liberates these young people, including him, to, to also learn from their mistakes. Because sometimes I think, particularly from, you know, knowing my background, we come from a, a background where, often, you know, failure was not always seen as something that can unlock value, you know. In fact, there was a word like lawful, meaning someone who's, you know, who, who's failed, right? 
And when you're quoted, oh, that's it, you're done. But actually, I've learned from my, you know, from my own journey that actually failure, if, if, if there's such a thing, you know, not getting things right is, a, is an opportunity to learn how to get things right in, in future. And so we should embrace it. Um, I would probably also, you know, advise myself to be patient with myself because sometimes, you know, in, 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 in kind of wanting to see the results immediately, you know, we can quit on certain things and, you know, you touch the, on this, you quit, you touch on that, you quit, you know. So just seeing, going through the, the uh, you know, the, the, the dry season and trusting that what you're building one day is going to manifest. Now I'm at a place where I'm, every day I'm shocked when organizations approach me because I used to, there was a time when I would be, it was social media post after social media post, nobody responding. You know, whether it's Black History Month, I'm like, oh, there's Black History Month, would you like to hire me to come and deliver something to a team? Nobody responded, you know? But now, I, I, I can't remember the last time I, I put a post out on social media. Yet I've, I've never been more busy in my life, you know? And so it's, it's continuing to do that. And, and while, while people may not necessarily have responded in the past, they were watching and seeing what I was plowing and what the seeds I was planting and continuing to nurture. And so they are, they, I think there's an understanding that, you know, he genuinely cares about this and we have seen his growth and we've seen his journey and we, we believe he can add value to our team and our organization. So now that's why people then start to invite you and, and, and you can come and add value. So I'd say, yeah, you know, let's continue trusting, you know, and, and continue planting and, 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 and cultivating, trusting that down the line, something is going to come out of that. Yeah, trusting the process. It's such a, a big thing. And you can use that in any area of your life, not just your, your career, your financial, physical, etc. You know, your social life as well. Again, such such wise advice to me. And, you know, I could talk to you for hours. As you know, I believe that true wealth um, is more than just money. It's about every single area of our life. So in a few words, please, could you tell us what wealth means to you uh, in terms of physical, mental, social, spiritual, and financial well-being? Well, thank, thank, you, thank you so much. Yeah, that's such a poignant question, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I find myself hearing the word in my head, uh, growth, um, in, 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 and I think linked link to that progress. And, and so in, in, in some sense, I, I don't think wealth is, is you know, a, necessarily a, a, a figure or a, or, or a stage that you arrive at and that's it, right? You know, I think it's, it's you know, the, the wealth is unlocked through the, the, the journey of building it. Um, you said in a minute ago, trusting the process, you know, and it's, it's, it's in that building of the reserves, it's that building of the, of the capital, that building of the, uh, you know, of, 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 of the profits, of the proceeds, all that coming together, uh, even in our health, in our, in, our, in our family, in our social sector, you know, you know I mean, social realm. Uh, so, so I think it's a process of, of, give, of putting in and then sharing what comes out. That's what that's that's how I would, I would, I would define wealth. Putting in and then sharing what comes out. Because what what comes out if, if if it's just for me, then it's not wealth. It's probably just riches. It could be riches in terms of um even my physical. If it's about my physique and how I look, you know, then it's 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 not wealth really. Wealth uh, enriches more than the, the person who creates it, you know. And 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 so for me, it's it's about what we put in and then and then sharing what comes out so that we are all enriched. Oh, I absolutely love that. To me, how um, listeners can get in touch with you if they want to work with you or listen to some of your poetry or just get a few wise words from you. <laughs> wise words, you're very kind. Uh, but, you know, um, 
I'm, I'm actually very, very easy to, to locate. <laughs> so you, you can find me on LinkedIn as uh, Coach Dumi Sender, Dumi, D-U-M-I, S-E-N-D-A, Coach Dumi Sender. You can find me on YouTube as well. I have a Coach Dumi Sender, um, you know, uh, what do they call it? They call it channel. And then, I, you know, I also have a Dumi Sender, uh, Poet Dumi Sender channel, where you can see my poetry and my activist days, you see it all there. Uh, equally, you can find more platforms like LinkedIn, like uh, Instagram and, and Facebook. So yeah, if you just Google to me, send, I think you, you'll find me. And please do reach out. I, you know, I, I love a conversation. I love, you know, as you can see, <laughs> I love being part of a community. So if I can add value to you in any way, it would be an, an honor and my pleasure as well. I'll put links to all your social media in the show notes. Um, so people can just click after listening to this and uh, connect with you. Dumi, I just really want to thank you for allowing me to share your story um, on this podcast and with the listeners. And I also want to thank you for not giving up, you know, for just pushing through and trusting the process, even though during the, those dark periods, you probably thought you weren't trusting the process, but you just kept pushing through even when the cards seemed that they were stacked against you. I have absolutely no doubt that your journey and your work with individuals and corporates um, will create lasting positive change and also generational wealth, which is something that I am super, super passionate about. Well, Cici, thank you so much for having me on your platform, you know, I'm so grateful for the leadership. Yeah, you know, you, you, you are uh, embodying and, you know, and, and really dispensing for all of us, not just uh, people of black and, you know, African and other, other heritages, but global, you know. So this is uh, your platform enriches all of us. And, you know, this is really, uh, you know, diversity and inclusion in practice. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Connect with me at The Wealth Conversation on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the discussion. Also, if you're ready to define what wealth truly means to you, then go to thewealthconversation.com and download the Wealth Cornerstones Guide. Until next week, stay focused on becoming the designer of your financial future.